Welcome to the Best of the Left podcast, with clips today from the Young Turks and Rachel Maddow. This is Jill Pike from the Young Turks. You're listening to the Best of the Left podcast. Ironically, we turn to my own intolerance. Now, I wrote a piece called No Tolerance for Islam for Huffington Post, and under Jenk's blog here on our website, theyoungturks.com, and it kicks Muslim ass like I, we did yesterday on the show, referring to Afghanistan and how uh, they are threatening to kill the man who converted from Islam to Christianity because they're barbarian Neanderthals. Uh, R.J. Esco, who also writes on uh, Huffington Post and on his own blog, uh, Night and Nightlight, uh, wrote an article I found fascinating titled, Why Jenk is Wrong, Let's Nurture Enlightened Islam. So we bring R.J. on to have a fun little discussion now. Hey, R.J., how are you doing? Welcome to the Young Turks. I'm doing great. How are you doing, Jenk? Pretty good, pretty good. All right, R.J., uh, let's start simple. You know, uh, my position is clear. I made it clear yesterday on the show as well. Uh, I think this is barbarian. I think uh, Islam, and certainly fundamentalist Islam, encourages kind of barbarism. And, uh, you know, being tolerant of that kind of view is unacceptable. Uh, so tell me why I'm wrong. Oh, I think I'll tell you why you're right and why you're wrong. I think you're absolutely right that it's barbaric and that it's intolerable. And I think that fundamentalist Islam, like fundamentalist Christianity, is something that we all need to get together and fight. But I think the effective way to do that is by recognizing that that's not by any means all of Islam, that most Muslims are peaceful, tolerant, reasonable people, and that the way to combat the threat to them and the threat to us that fundamentalism poses is to be tolerant and open and supportive of the right kind of Islam or Christianity, for that matter, while being completely intolerant to this sort of thing and the people who would do it. All right. Now, RJ, let me tell you why you're wrong. Uh, I, uh, you know, I, ethnically speaking, I'm Muslim. You know, obviously, I grew up Muslim. Uh, most of my family still be theoretically believes in Islam, although I don't really think that they actually believe in Islam. Uh, they don't f follow almost 90% of the tenets, but they claim to be uh, Muslim anyway. Uh, so do I get that most uh, Muslim people are peaceful? Of course, of course, like most Christians and like most Jews, because they don't actually follow their religion. They pretend to follow their religion. But the problem is we have to address the root cause, which is the religion itself. It's not that, oh, they've perverted the religion. Read the books. The Quran, the Old Testament, the New Testament is full of utter nonsense. 100% nonsense. So how am I going to go to someone in good conscience and say to him, well, your religion is lovely. The part where they say, you know, uh, like in the Quran, well, that Jewish tribe that didn't agree with Muhammad, we killed them all. And, you know, if they don't agree with Muhammad, you should kill them all. That's great, but let me tell you why I have a slightly different interpretation of how you should kill those Jews. Mm -hmm. Or I go in, into the Bible and I say, well, yeah, of course, if you eat shrimp or lobster, you're an abomination to God. Or if you curse at your uh, you know, parents, you should be stoned to death. But let me tell you how I slightly disagree with your interpretation of your religion. I, all of this stuff is nonsense until people realize these books are just flat, factually incorrect. Well, I think the mistake that you and the fundamentalists both make is to deal with these books as factual documents. And I think that, uh, let's be realistic, we're not going to change 1.3 
billion Muslims by playing Imagine for them over and over until they realize, you're right, with no religion this would be a peaceful world. <laughs> we're going to change them by saying, and I have read those books too, we're going to change them by saying, hey, you know what, that part in the Quran that talks about there should be no compulsion in, re in religion, that's great. You should remember that when you go after Abdul Rahman. And we should say to people of every religion essentially the same thing. Now, the part that says, well, you know, we... We had to kill those Jews because they betrayed us. Well, that was some treaty that happened in 600 A.D. That's not really what your religion is about. And, of course, you and I can't do that as effectively as somebody who's active within the religion can do it. But we need to encourage the people who can make those kinds of arguments rather than saying, well, because there's this part in the Old Testament, I'm, I'm ethnically Jewish, because there's this part in the Old Testament that says, uh, we cut off the heads of people who disagree with us, too. I'm not going to go around saying, you know, I have this problem with Ariel Sharon's policy, but I hate all you guys because you, you, your book says to cut people's heads off. That's not the approach that I think is really going to work. RJ, I, I, gotta, I don't take this the wrong way, but honestly, have you ever just leafed through the books? I've read them all. Okay, you've read them all, so you're very familiar with it. Mm -hmm. It's not just the small part in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is chock full of utter nonsense. The whole thing is nonsense. The whole premise of the book is that there's a God of Israel that favors the Israelites, so you can take slaves as long as they're not from Israel, and that the Jews are the chosen people. How are you supposed to have a conversation with people who believe in crazy fairy tales like that? Well, he, here's the thing. First of all, this is going to shock you, but I'm actually, I'm against the whole slave thing. But <laughs> secondly, uh, the way you have a conversation is that my relatives are like your relatives. And believe me, if I go to my relatives at a Passover Seder and say, you know, your book is full of, of garbage, we're you not going to get You can say it, RJ, crap. You know, uh, oh, I can say that here. Yes, okay, that's right. I forgot. It's serious. So um, I'm not going to get very far. But if I say, you know, there's a lot of beauty in, in, the, in the Talmud and the traditions and the poetry and the Psalms, it's all, it's all great and it's enlightening and it lifts my spirit. But you know what? We've got to get away from this chosen people thing because in the 21st century there shouldn't be a chosen people except all of humanity. That's the pitch I take, and they still think I'm nuts. But at least we can talk, and we have a basis for talk. Uh, I don't think if I went in and said, hey, you know what, my new position is no tolerance for Judaism, it would be an awkward evening, and <laughs> there wouldn't be a lot of conversation. You know, RJ, actually, uh, I know that you're wrong on, on that specific thing. You, you, I, I'm building a theme, if you can tell here. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's I don't it's love a you, zero RJ. tolerance. I'm glad theme. I'm interdirected. Right. Jenk is fundamentalist. It's either you're right. You, you agree with him or you're wrong. Yeah, you know, if you look at the sociology of fundamentalism, he's, he's displaying some of those characteristics. Yeah, like, that's, yeah. yeah. Once Absolutely. again, both of you are dead wrong. <laughs> oh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> I'm just playing. All right, by the way, we're talking to R.J. Esco. He uh, writes his own blog at Nightlight, and he also blogs at the Huffington Post. Uh, R.J., my dad uh, does this all the time, and it doesn't make for an awkward evening? Absolutely. Has he gone a significant uh, way towards putting a lot of doubt in the minds of all of our family and friends, whether they like it or not? Absolutely. He'll go into, by the way, again, like, my, like me, my dad was Muslim, you know, theoretically, and, you know, was proud, sure, who's not proud of their ethnicity and their culture, until he read the Quran, and he said, wow, this is crazy. And he went on a rampage. You can't walk into a room with my dad without him telling you, did you know Islam is crazy? <laughs> okay. And 
And when he comes in, now all the family and friends are like, oh, no, 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 no. Okay, I know, I know, I know. Islam is crazy, right? And they're tired of hearing about it. But you know what? You talk to them and they say, well, he does make a lot of good points. And they've grown a little uncomfortable with the religion that they thought that they believed in. Whereas when you see, because we're, what we're doing here is we're having a disagreement over tactics. Because, right. you, you know, because we agree. The, first of all, fundamentalism is evil. That should be wiped out. We totally agree on that. Yeah. And we agree that, in essence, that religion is wrong and that we should work towards making it less relevant in our society. The question is, how do we do that? And you're of the opinion that we should do it subtly over a long period of time. Whereas I'm of the opinion that you might not reach your aunt, but you might reach your aunt's daughter or her daughter, and that all we need is two generations. You say we can't you know, convince 1.3 billion Muslims that, uh, that they're wrong. But I, th I think in a matter of two, three, four, five generations, of course we can. How did they spread uh, Islam and Christianity and crazy Mormonism throughout the world? They proselytized. They went to the communities, they talked to the people, and they aggressively told people what their philosophy was. They didn't whisper it. They weren't polite about it. They weren't like kind of maybe could be. They came in and they knocked your door down. If we do the same, there's no reason why we can't have just as much of an effect by being logical as they did by being illogical. So if I get you right, all my sociology and my arguments and all that, I'm wrong because of your dad. <laughs> and no, I'm kidding. But yeah, right. I, I, I do get your point. But but here's the thing: I'm not sure, for one thing, that we have two generations with everything that's going on right now. I, I don't disagree with working for that goal and for that kind of proselytizing. I'm not against it at all. I think it's a great idea. But I think what we get when we get into you know this no tolerance language and this it's a crazy religion. That when we both know there are so many people who are parts of these religions either because they're spiritual and it's the only way they know to express it or they just like the community or whatever, we make enemies out of people that we should be making friends out of because they're the ones in our lifetimes that are, that are going to crush this fundamentalism. See, I don't think so. I think they're going to, unless they are challenged at the very root of it, with the very premise of it, they're going to keep on going along and not challenge themselves, their neighbors, their family members, and they're just going to keep on thinking that Islam and Christianity and Judaism are reasonable because nobody ever told them how grotesquely unreasonable they are. Uh, and ironically, my strategy is actually a long-term strategy. I know it's not going to work necessarily with all of a sudden you're going to wake up overnight and 1.3 billion people are going to say, oh my God, Jenk was so right. Thank <laughs> God he wrote that blog. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I'm going to work on them. I'm going to work on their children. I'm going to work on their grandchildren until people go, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. Why do we believe that crap? So why don't we, why don't we do something like this? Why don't we say, you go ahead and do that. I'll go ahead and do it my way, but let's try to stay away from the no tolerance and you people are all stupid language because right now we've been bombing the hell out of these people for a number of years. We've been acting as an ally of a country they adamantly oppose, which is Israel. We've been helping uh, oppressive regimes in Saudi Arabia and throughout the Middle East. So they're a little touchy right now. So if we go with the no tolerance language, even though you're coming at it from a progressive point of view, I'm afraid that what you're going to get in, instead is a lot of people reading that on the Huffington Post and elsewhere who say, yeah, see, I told you, even the liberals think they're a bunch of nuts, and we're fine to be bombing the hell out of them right now. All right, but I think the Christians and the Jews are also a bunch of nuts. So I do, too, in the, <laughs> same, in the same way that I expressed it about Islam. Absolutely. All right, RJ, then let's tag team it, okay? From now on, 
I'll punch him in the face, proverbially speaking, and, uh -huh. he, and you tend to their wounds, and we'll uh, we'll work them over. Good cop, bad cop. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I got you. Okay. All right, R.J. Esco, the good cop. Thanks for joining us on the Young Turks. My pleasure. All right, coming back on the Young Turks. The flap in Congress continues over whether Cynthia McKinney punched a Capitol Hill police officer after he told her to stop while she was walking into a House office building. Uh, Cynthia McKinney has already released a statement saying she regrets the incident. Her office says she will hold a press conference later on this morning to discuss it further. The Washington Post and the Political Communication Lab at Stanford University teamed up recently to try to determine the political value of hitting people. Uh, they created a website that allows you to play whack-a-mole, basically, virtually bopping little pictures of uh, celebrities, foreign dictators, and politicians. Participants in the online game were also asked how they felt about the people that they were bopping on the head. Weirdly, people who identified themselves as political independents uh, were asked about how they felt about these specific politicians featured in the game. People disliked the politicians less after being allowed to hit them after being allowed to whack them virtually in this video game. A 9% reduction in negative feelings toward George W. Bush were achieved by letting people hit pictures of the president. Now we know how they will try to retain the Congress in November. And finally, speaking of science, scientific proof, finally, in case you needed it, ye of little faith, scientific proof at last that prayer kills you. It's true. Uh, the journal Science Today publishes a report on the largest scientific test ever to look at whether heart surgery patients benefited when strangers prayed for their recovery. The results? Not only did strangers praying for your recovery not improve your health if you were a heart patient, but people who knew that they were being prayed for had more complications than people who did not. There you have it. Prayer kills. Spread the word. All right, now, uh, interesting story uh, on uh, prayer. Uh, I saw this in, in the morning's yeah, uh, paper. Really an and, interesting story. Uh, and it said, does you know, prayer uh, help with people who are sick? And they did this exhaustive study uh, covering over 1,800 people over a number of years. And the common, mis the common perception, I don't know if it's a misperception. Well, I do know because I've read the story. But the common uh, perception is, is that sort of people who believe that they will get well and believe that they can pray will that that sort of that even if you don't actually even from those sort of uh, who take even a more, if there isn't a god that right, it might help the power of actual prayer is healing in and of itself exactly even if the zeus is not throwing down a lightning bolt to help you out yeah, because you believe in something you exactly. have something you believe is a higher power it's kind of a mind over matter type of situation totally the only problem is they did the study <laughs> and it turns out not only is that not true, the opposite is true. You know why? This, I mean, I've told this story before because the people that believe in prayer normally believe that God has, God has a path for them and a mission for them. So they put their health in God's hands. So sometimes they will deny themselves, you know, 
chemotherapy or surgery for whatever heart condition they might be having and all these things. I mean, I uh, one of my dear friends, her mother, I mean, God bless her. <laughs> um she uh, she denied all um, all forms of cancer therapy. And was she, she Jehovah's Witness? Nope. She was a born again kind of like one of those evangelical ones. Uh-huh. Um, and and she did all these homeopathic things, saying that that God obviously had a plan for her, and he had you know he had things that you know she needed to do, and he would take care of her and all this stuff. I, I love so when people know God's plans. And like also, when got, did God send she got you the weird, email? Like, exactly. And also the Pope was in the hospital right, before exactly. he died. Getting medical treatment, medical care. He knows better. I mean, one of the one of the people in charge of these churches inform their. I mean, this is what. Okay, so anyways, to make a long story short, she ended up dying because when she figured out that God wouldn't come to rescue her, she went and did all the radiation chemotherapy stuff. It was too late. However, her pastor at her church supported this, supported what she was doing. Well, not seeking the medical treatment. Yeah, I mean, like, all right, whatever you need to do. I mean, laid hands, had the church pray for her. I mean, it's just like, knew exactly what was going on and didn't, you know, because, he know, I swear these people in power, in, in God's, you know, the God's people, they know this whole thing's a joke. Well, look, I, I don't think so. I think a lot of the reverends and priests and all those people no. earnestly believe what they're doing. Now, some of them, of course, the t- televangelists, et cetera, are charlatans to the nth degree. But I think a lot of priests in this country are very well-meaning. But but if they believe that laying hands on people and prayer can uh, help people and, and cure them, they're just flat-out wrong because that's why we have science. We do these tests. And it's not like, oh, science, I don't believe in science. Like what they did is they actually tested people and who were actually sick, and they had people praying for them. This is a, it's not something you can argue with. There are results. Now, you can, it, you can argue with those results, but that's kind of like saying, you know, I don't believe the world is around. It's flat. But you okay, know what? Okay, but we did a test. It's not. We know. We looked. We got up on the space shuttle. It's round. <laughs> you know? And so they've done these tests. So let me just explain what it is, by the way. Jill, you're right. That happens a, a lot, and that's actually even a bigger problem in, in some ways. But in this study, mm-hmm. they didn't talk about that, and they didn't study that. What they did was they uh, had uh, three different groups of people, people who were not prayed to uh, uh, for by strangers. This does not include uh, family members or loved ones, etc. So that's a problem in the study. It's kind of funny. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, and then a second group were people who were prayed uh, for but didn't realize that they were prayed for. Uh. And the third group was the people who were prayed for and realized that are pe- there are people praying for them. And it turns out uh, it had no effect for the people that were being prayed for or not being prayed for, but it did have an effect for the people who were being prayed for and knew it. It actually reduced their chances of uh, getting better by 14%. Wow. How many people in the study? 1,800 people in the study. Now, s- scientists know exactly how many people to put in a study to yeah. make it seem so that to for it to be a legitimate and valid that's, and, and that's statistically the, significant study. That's what the media wants you to believe. Sure, right. And they'd done four or five studies like this, and I believe four of them had come out with prayer has no result, but one of them had come out with prayer might have a result. So this one was supposed to be the granddaddy of them all. And it was supposed to be an exhaustive study. And apparently the doctor, and this is what uh, uh, I read in the New York Times and other publications, the doctor heading this study kind of had a belief in spirituality. So people were really excited, like, hey, since he's on that side, it might turn out that, you know, at least he's going to be fair about it. Right. And we're going to find out what happens. And he was fair about it. He did the study, and he's a scientist and a doctor, and he said, i got to tell you, no, it had no effect except for the people 
who knew that they were being prayed for. They had a lot of different theories for that. They say they have no, but, you know, it's, well, that's it. This is exactly why they're get, that 14% of them wound up doing worse. It's just they had theories like maybe put a lot of pressure on them. It's what they call performance anxiety. Or there might have been different reasons for it. Or it might have meant nothing, and it might have been a quirk in the study. But there's no way you can argue that the praying helped, I certainly. I just can't believe money was allotted to a study like this. Money was allotted to fantasy. No, no, I, I think it's I, great. Oh, I think it's uh, tremendously uh, yeah. helpful. Yeah, I think no, it's to dismiss that, the fantasy. I'm just, I, I, I always am. I mean, I, I'm glad the money went to disputing this nonsense, but I'm so tired of this fantastic world that people live in when they think that angels in the sky and God in heaven is going to save their life. And that if they pray for things, they're going to come true. Um, it's insane. Well, it is funny because, you know, would you do a study on whether Zeus can help you recover from uh, surgery? Of course you wouldn't say that's ridiculous. But, but when you change the name Zeus to the name Jesus, you go, oh, well, of course he could help me. Let's do a study. Let's I'm find totally out. totally different. People who, who worship Zeus are pagans. Ah, right. I see. I missed that uh, distinction. By the way, I'm reading the Da Vinci Code and know what the word pagan means for the first time in my life. Um, the uh, <laughs> You know, the study did not take into account, though, and this is a... Look, you know I don't believe in in prayer making you better, but there does seem to be a hole in the study that they didn't even talk to the doctor who uh, diagnosed uh, Terry Schiavo, uh, who had the website that said he cured people by prayer, because he, you know, and then and then all the Republicans thought and Fox News put him on the air because he was an expert, and he says on his website that he's cured people by prayer, and I don't see him in the study, and he's obviously cured people through prayer. And yet they leave him out. It's very typical of sort of the scientific community sort of ignoring. And really, I think it's the sci- it's sci- it's the scientific community's attack on Christianity. Uh, let me tell you something. If there was actually a man on earth who could cure people through praying, do you have any idea how quickly he would be swarmed? Yeah. How quickly he would become the best known person on the planet? It would take approximately 15 days for him to become the new Jesus, okay? No, people don't. It's not like, oh, he's got an excellent record. He's batting 80% on curing people. Ah, don't worry about it. Let's not go to him. Everybody would be all over him. By the way, the one thing they didn't take into account in the study, which is kind of funny, is they're like, well, we couldn't tell if their family members or loved ones were praying for them. We, it's not like we could ask them to stop praying. So they're like, we don't know if those pray waves interfered with the praying waves of the random people that were praying for them. But... No one got better, so uh, uh, you know more than they normally would have. So apparently, whether the those prayer waves came in or the Zeus prayer waves came in or whatever, none of the prayer waves helped. The only thing that hurt was the people who knew about the prayer. Maybe there was some. What they didn't take into account though was the devil. Maybe the devil was praying backwards, especially for science. A lot of things wrong with this stuff. Yesterday, uh, uh, outside of Tom uh, Cruise, he's an actor, very yeah. successful actor, very powerful actor. Uh, outside his Beverly Hills mansion, mm-hmm. a bunch of people came by and put up signs, and I see the picture uh, right here, uh, six-foot placards around the mansion facing toward the mansion uh, so that uh, as a reminder – Tom Cruise is uh, uh, married. I don't know if you know. Or getting is he get, get they did get married, right? No, they haven't gotten married. Okay, yet. he has a fiance who's also an actress, so it's a woman named Katie Holmes. 
I don't know whether you're aware of that. Anyway, uh, and Tom Cruise is a Scientologist, of course. And he, so they had a bunch of people come by, believed to be elders in the Church of Scientology, and they have put six-foot placards facing the house. As a reminder. Uh, that say, be silent and make all physical movements slow and understandable. So that Katie will know that she has to be silent during childbirth, which is what the Scientologists subscribe to. That's their belief. So uh, big, here's a picture. We have a picture at one of the signs. It says, be, be silent and make all uh, physical movements slow and understandable. Okay. Oh, by the way, I believe the first, uh, uh, the, it says, I'm sorry, keep mum and be silent. Okay. Look, uh, it's official. Come on. Come on. Yeah. And uh, it, I, as always, I'm going to go a step further than everybody else. Uh, everybody understands Scientology is crazy. It's officially insane. Uh, anyone who believes it, it has to, you have to question, right? So everybody understands that. Here's me going further. Uh, all everybody who is in Scientology, uh, John Travolta, Tom Cruise, all those guys, Isaac Hayes, every Jenna Elfman, the lovely girl on King of Queens, Le uh, Leah, Leah Remini, Remini yeah, uh, Christy Alley, they're not just nuts. They're stupid. They're dumb dumb people. And Tom Cruise, I'm talking about you. You're one of the dumbest people in America. Who believes this load of crap that they're saying? Who allows uh, their church to bring six-foot signs surround their house as a, like a sign to their fiancé that they should stay silent during pregnancy? And it's just that's it's like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. That's crazy. It the, doesn't end there. Um, yeah, the signs also they want everybody else to be uh, quiet too. Well, of course. the silent birth means basically you, there's no music, no talking, no screaming during the pains of labor. But then also, when you are, it's weird though. I don't know if it's in there. You are uh, encouraged to watch hardball, <laughs> which I think is odd. <laughs> Chris Matthews can yeah, scream for you right, on exactly. mute. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, but it, and I was talking about this last week. Once the, once the child is born, it can't be poked, prodded um, uh, for medical tests or even spoken to for the first seven days of the child's life. Because they believe the babies go through so much pain during the birth that they shouldn't have to experience any further discomfort or sensory experience <laughs> that could return later in life to haunt them. Because stripping the child away from its mother and not allowing her to coddle or hold or speak to the child. Well, why don't you just leave? Is it damaging? Yeah, why, why, don't, why don't they just leave the kid in the womb? Did they give? That seems like that might be helpful. Did they to give reduce the Katie trauma. Holmes a lobotomy before or after? Just, yeah. The she, she got pregnant. The reason the Scientologists are dumber than you and me and much dumber than the average person is because they weren't brainwashed at birth. Just the record dumber than you, you or I. <laughs> That's ironic <laughs> on my part. Um, not very good with grammar. At least I don't have weird <laughs> signs surrounding my house. Jenk uh, is studying grammar. Be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Make your motions visible <laughs> and, and discernible. Exactly. Deliberate. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know what it is. Yeah. Okay. So the reason they're they're dumber than the average Epidural. folk. Epidural. <laughs> is because they weren't brainwashed like all most of us were when we were kids. We were brainwashed to believe Christianity, Judaism, Islam, or whatever religion we were born into, Mormonism. So the nut, you know, the absolute insanity of our religions makes sense because we've been trained into thinking that it makes sense. Of course, the God's son was sacrificed for my sins. You know, you, you got programmed into it. I don't blame you. That's just what you believe because that's what your parents and your society shoved down your throat. It doesn't make any sense, but especially the Mormons. Uh, my prophet read magic tablets in New York, then reburied them so no one can find them. I cannot have coffee. Okay, that's crazy. 
but at least I understand why, because when you're a tiny, tiny kid, we program you to believe that Left stuff. Left out the part about reading the tablets uh, in a hat. In, in it with magic glasses. Yeah. Okay, now, but Scientologists, almost all of them, chose this brand of crazy. Right. And if you choose, as an adult, after you have not been brainwashed... Like, you're letting the Scientology uh, children off the hook as much as you let the other religions. Definitely. Right. But you're a grown-ass man, as Cedric the Entertainer would say, and you choose to believe in this load of crap. Oh, come on, man. Come the, on. Uh, you realize, too, Scientology was created off a bet. Yeah. L. Ron Hubbard bet someone he could come up with his own religion. Is that true? I don't know. Yes. Yeah, well, he said, there's a quote of his, you know, I don't have it ready but uh, here because I don't have a computer in front of me, but he said, uh, you know, I bet I could create a, a religion and get people to follow it. And uh, wouldn't that be funny? And next thing you know, he has a bunch of jackasses running around Hollywood going, well, he was you a, shall he be bet. silent during pregnancy. He bet his friend that he could start a new religion. Well, I'd I not heard that. That's I'll bad. find the quote for you. Um, but uh, he was a disturbed guy, L. Ron Hubbard, and he was clearly hearing stuff from, uh, you know, if you read, I've read some of Dianetics, and clearly he was, uh, you know, being told stuff by therapists that he didn't want to hear mm -hmm. um, uh, about, you know, his own sort of psychological traumas when he got back from the military. But, you know, just for the record, the reason that they put those signs up, and by the way, that was just one of the signs. They all say different things, but that's the idea, uh, is that, uh, you know, uh, again, keep mom and uh, uh, be silent, make all physical movements slow and understandable. I don't. I don't know about how you make a movement understandable. Um, Here's a movement that's understandable and slow. Yeah. Here's one. Well, in case Antonin Scalia is, is Here's watching. another one. You are... Okay. Uh, but by the way, they, the followers believe it's traumatic for babies to hear their mother scream or groan. So you can't even groan when giving birth. They think it can cause uh, psychic damage, it says here, and which takes years of therapy to overcome. So at least they have a reason. Yeah. So there, there you go. There seem to be two versions of the uh, of the bet story, which has oh. now led up to Katie Holmes now having to give birth silently to this weird, strange alien I, child. I, as much as I, I love the nuttiness of Scientology, I'm incredibly dubious of this of this bet story. But I'm I'm curious to hear. Seem to be two main versions of the story. One is that the alleged uh, it, it was between L. Ron Hubbard and uh, Arthur C. Clarke, who I guess is a noted author. Author, yeah. Hubbard uh, bet Clarke. It's also a noted Arthur. Did I say Arthur? No, I'm just... <laughs> oh. Um, he bet Clark that he could start... I, I would have said Arthur. He bet Clark that he could start a new religion. The anecdote uh, concludes that he created Scientology as a result. There seem to be two main versions of the story. One is that the alleged conversation occurred in private at Mr. Clark's home with no actual witnesses, and that uh, one or both later confirmed to friends about it. The other is that the alleged conversation was supposed to have occurred at a conference of science fiction writers. Yeah, Arthur C. Clarke was a big uh, sci-fi writer. Dude, L. Ron Hubbard, crazy, obviously was effed up himself when he was trying to be a therapist, didn't work, and they got together with, you know, super mastermind Arthur C. Clarke, and they created a religion. Because they're insane. <laughs> and now you have these crazy, influential celebrities destroying lives of children with this. I mean, God, there's weird... Do we had a caller, I think, a long time ago saying that he was raised in Scientology and he tried to escape from Florida and, like, people followed him. I mean, there's weird dormitories. I got a friend and, in the Tampa and all, because she's yeah. from Clearwater. And in Clearwater, which is uh, uh, the home base, uh, they they look and they, they she's like, they, they dress funny. And yeah, you have to dress a yeah, certain you don't, way. Don't, in Washington... Uh, and uh, 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 and uh, D.C. Uh, here and out here in California, excuse me, in L.A., you don't really get the 
you know, they, they, everything seems normal with Scientology. I mean, if you just run into them, like, on the street. Hmm. I don't know what that means. Does that mean, like, yeah, I mean, if you come well, up to them, they don't go, blah, 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 No, no, but, like, but, like, like they have But a, then if you talk to them for any period no, but in of time clear about water, what they believe, you Well, let me go, be clear. I wasn't clear. In Clearwater, you, you, you get the, the, the little bit of the vacant stare and the dressing alike. Oh, okay. You know, you get That's a little... good cult. You, yeah, you get the cult. A little, it seems a little more cultish there at... Uh, at home base. Uh, and don't get me wrong. All of your major religions are also cults. Like, look at Islam. Islam is a perfect example. In Afghanistan, if you try to leave the cult, you know, it's worse than Scientology. They don't chase you down and harass you and tell you you're never going to work in the movie business again. They say we're, they're going to rip you apart and behead you. And that's what they have in that Christian convert. Oh, you cannot leave Muslim Islam. You are em embarrassing God. We will rip you to shreds. That's another cult, and, and in Afghanistan, they dress alike. I just so. don't understand what happened to Katie Holmes, that she's buying into all of this. I, it's, I'm really curious to see what happens after she gives birth to this child. It's been rumored already that um, the papers have been drawn up about custody of the child. Yeah, there's already. been a lot of reporting on that. I don't know whether any of it's true. Well, obviously, yeah. uh, we'll find out for her sake and for the baby's sake. I hope it is true. We could have at least one parent who wasn't, you know, nuts. <laughs> Right now, we're making uh, fun of uh, uh, people who are praying, and you know, in this country, it's mainly Christians. But we want to spread the hate around. So we're working. I'm not making fun of people who pray. I got no. I love people who pray. I, mean, I am. Well, I'm not. Most of my many of my friends are religious, and many of them pray, and, and God bless them, literally, for praying. But let's uh, not. But apparently, God's. It's not going to work. God's no, not going to bless them. It, it gives them some sort of personal satisfaction. It's not going to make your life better if they tangibly. If they prayed to marshmallows because it gave them some sort of personal satisfaction and clarity on life, would you think that was? Normal? I would totally. I wouldn't. They wouldn't. Wouldn't think a thing of it. But I mean, really, y y you would be in total support if they break the marshmallows. No, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't made question. Feel you wouldn't question. Maybe. I think it was a little strange. Sure. Uh huh. But there isn't a, a, a six thousand year history in praying to marshmallows. First of all, I don't think oh, six thousand years. I got to be lie? honest, Jill. I don't think marshmallows are more than a hundred years old, if that. By the way, it's not six thousand years. It's just you know. Oh, two thousand years. Yeah, yeah, yeah two thousand seven hundred years. If yeah. I think is when uh, a bunch of rabbis got together and they said, ah. Ishmael, what do you think we well, should do? But here's Look, what they're I get it. I get it back in times when they didn't have electricity and they didn't have the internet and all that stuff. Like, sure, be ignorant to the ways of the world. Come on, pick up the pace. Get up to speed. Religion, yeah, I mean, there, there are a number of scientists who are still devout. Toward yeah. about men, I, I I think that it's difficult to have those have those beliefs side by side, but I think that it's it it makes sense from a human point of view. Um, I don't believe in religion, but I don't disparage people who do believe in religion as long as they're not trying to push the religion on me. I wouldn't disparage people if it hadn't become such an issue in the world today and created so much drama. It's just that Jill, you got to recognize there's so many religious people, so many good religious people who don't push it on anybody and who are not who part truly... of sort of ruining the world through okay, religion. Okay, so then there's so many violent people in the world and wars happen every day and people are fighting and bloodshed happens. Well, I just got to deal with it. No, I, I want the violence to stop. I want the religion to stop. Uh, look, I think you guys uh, are. Being a little unfair to religion, especially I'm not you guys, Jill, obviously, because look, you don't know what's happening in uh, New Delhi. Uh, there's something very reasonable happening in the West Bengal state uh, in uh, Bengal, uh, in in India, and okay. I want to let you know about it. A man was in his sleep, maybe he took Ambien, I don't know, and he apparently said 
talak three times. Uh-oh. And I don't have to tell you what that means. Oh, talak, by the way, just don't let me, you know, you don't, I don't want to hear it. Don't say it three times. Is that like saying Bloody Mary in front of a mirror, like, until she appears? I don't no. remember how you're supposed to see, how are you supposed to see Bloody Mary before she appears? Let's try. Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. <gasps> I think it was seven <laughs> in the dark. So it's saying. Candy man. Like saying, no, I'm, now you're freaking me out. I'm not playing. Stop that. Okay. Because, well, you know, Virgin Mary shows up. Hey, we're having fun. Right? Candyman Candy shows, shows up. And yeah, we're, nobody, all getting, we're all getting gutted. Yeah. Right. And we're in the next uh, team. But Jill slash will become his uh, new hot wife. She'll be the new Virginia Madsen. That's right. No, yeah. no, no. This is what's going to happen. If the Candyman shows up, us three are dead. Jill's the only one that survives at the end because she has to run around with the boobs the whole time. Exactly. And then, and then she's the one that gets saved. Although, may I say? Uh-huh. No, you could run. Well, around. actually, that's true. It's between you two, Ben and I are totally. I right. used so to think I I was a busty woman until I met. Right. Well, she had a good doctor. Tell us what nunchuck means. <laughs> I'm kidding. You're right. I'm kidding. What talak means? Talak. Yeah. Okay, talak means divorce, and uh, in Is- in Islamic law, because oh, the yeah. the great Allah Marshmallow said so. <laughs> if you say uh, talak three times to your wife. That's it. You're officially divorced. There's no proceedings. There's no the wife can't say it to the husband, of course. But if the man goes ah talak talak talak, you're done. Okay, you got no rights, no nothing. You just pack your bags, <laughs> close the book, cold glass of water, move along. Okay. Right. So this guy's in his sleep. He took a little too much Ambien. He rolls over, and goes talak talak talak, right? And the wife freaks out. She hears. She tells her friends. Big mistake. She's like, what should I do? He said it three times in his sleep. And the friends take it to the religious leaders uh, in uh, in, First in of New all, Delhi. I don't know how this story turns out, but I'm sure it ends well. Oh, of course. Yeah. And, um, and and what happens here? Let me quote the Associated Press: Muslim leaders in the couple's village in the West Bengal state found out and decreed that Ansari's unconscious utterances constituted divorce. Thank you. <laughs> Sad day for you. Talak, talak, talak. You're done. Uh, and then the guy says, well, well, I, wait, 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 I love my wife. I don't want to divorce her. I don't want to get divorced. Yeah. Quote, I have not given talak. When I uttered talak three times, my God, man, you just said it twice. You're going to do it again. <laughs> exactly. When I uttered talak three times, the genie did not come out of the bottle. No. Anyway, when I uttered talak three times, I had taken medicines to help me sleep. He was on Ambien. Wow. He was totally on Ambien. <laughs> but why is he thinking about divorce? I mean, seriously. I mean, if I were a Freudian... Or Jungian, I would think to myself, man wants to be divorced. I know, but we had to... Somewhere in his deep subconscious. We had the Newsweek reporter talking about the Ambien story uh, earlier in the story, uh, earlier in the show. Ambien, some people, like 1% of people on Ambien, they get really, they go out and they're they're like making fried eggs and walking around the house. You know what it was? His wife was taking advantage of him in his Ambien coma and he got pissed. Doc, doc, doc. He felt like he was being ravaged by her. You know, some women are going and eating like raw rice and raw eggs in the middle of the night. It's it's not because they love raw eggs. It's because they're on Ambien. They're flipped out, you know. And the poor dude's like, I don't know, talak, talak, talak. And, (laughs) you know, so and then the religious leaders heard the guy and said, well, okay, he makes a reasonable point. Uh, No. (laughs) Associated Press says, quote, the religious leader said that before remarrying, the couple would have to, they're divorced, it's over. Before remarrying, the couple would have to be apart for at least 100 days. Aww. No, and it gets much better. And that the wife, Sohella, would also have to spend a night with another man and then be divorced by him. What the, what? Hey, it's Islamic law. <laughs> what are you, hey, look. I'll, all right, all right, to lock, to lock, to lock. She's, I call. All right, wow. <laughs> Who are you going to pick? Who are you going to go out with? 
to lock three times on the ceiling if you don't want me. <laughs> hey, if this uh, car is to locking, don't come a knocking. Yeah. I, gee, I wonder if one of those religious leaders would then say, well, you got to spend a night with somebody. somebody. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying. Right. I'd be, I'd write Sounds it. like she comes out a winner. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure she's, on who the guy sure she's real, I'm sure it's totally up to her. Yeah. Oh, they have Islamic, to take the Islamic laws always given women choices. It's just bizarre, but you know, if she just kept her mouth shut instead of running around town like some kind of, you know, crazy, you know, village crier, she'd still be married to the and man that's she why, And that's why we learn that, uh, that no matter where you come from, no matter what your faith, no matter what part of the world you're from, we have much more in common uh, than we do that divides us, more, much more that brings us together. Oh, Even good. in the little Bengal village, uh, 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 women talk too much. <laughs> oh. By the way, before you go in for tell people my boobs are real. I don't want that miscommunication. Your, your, uh, your boobs are real, okay, and, and they are spectacular. Good. All right, moving on. Uh, all right. Uh, by the way, I, I love this is religion. And in order to be moral, you have to t- divorce your husband and sleep with another man. And then to lock, to lock, to lock his ass, and then go back to your original husband. Hey, listen, but we're wait, just wait, trying wait, to be wait. moral here. This is even this is even more complicating because she has to marry someone else, sleep with that man, and then he has to give to lock. She can't give to lock. No, of course not. She's a woman. so she's at the mercy of this guy giving her to lock. Hey, maybe he might not even give her to exactly lock. And until he says, you know what? How about we have sex seventeen more times? Right. Then I to lock your ass. Yeah, to lock, to lock. Get me a beer. <laughs> <laughs> and he did, well, he's Muslim. He wouldn't yeah. do that. But he'd be like. To lock, to lock. Mm, to I lock, don't think so. To lock, to I lock. Think maybe to lock, psych. <laughs> maybe one more massage. Sure. To lock, to lock. Get me a goat. <laughs> this is Jill Pike from The Young Turks. If you'd like to podcast the entire Young Turks show, please go to our website, theyoungturks.com, for more information. You can also support the show by becoming a TYT member or purchasing the Young Turks merchandise. Thanks for listening, everybody. You know, one of these days, I'm going to end up writing down a list so that I can actually remember all of the things that I would like to encourage you to do during the 23 hours and 20 minutes a day that you don't spend listening to the Best of the Left podcast, the most important of which, of course, is currently the iTunes listener review drive that is going fantastically, I must say. Uh, the the comments I've been getting have been fantastic. Uh, each one does a world of good towards helping promote the show. So thank you very much. Please keep those coming. We're actually right on track for the uh, the loosely placed goal that I have in my head of getting you know twenty. 25 reviews by the end of the month. Um, so so please go to iTunes. Uh, you can find it through the iTunes Music Store, but you can also just go to bestoftheleftpodcast.com and click the link uh, under the support the show category. I don't know if it's a category. You know, you'll see what I'm saying, though. Just click uh, write a review on iTunes or whatever the label is called. And um, it's very self-explanatory. You just sign in, leave a review. It can be one sentence or two words or whatever you want it to be. So, um, so please do that. That it it helps me out a lot. And as long as you're there at the website, you can go ahead and just move the mouse 
really it's like I don't know three quarters of an inch or something just just a little bit down and that'll take you right to podcast alley where you can vote for the show and that um, that helps out uh, spreading the word uh, in a little bit different way than the iTunes reviews but uh, but it all helps so helping uh, helping get the show out to as many people as possible uh, can only be good for the country I think I think you'll all agree and aside from my shameless self-promotion I would also like to encourage you to contact the show by which I mean contact me at hippiesympathizer at gmail.com uh, or you can leave comments for everybody to read at the message board. You can find that through the best of the left podcast dot com as well. And just click the link to um, the best of the left community. That'll get you right there. So thanks to everyone for all of your supportive and affirming emails and messages that you all send. It's uh, it's very nice to hear. I certainly love. Uh, getting and responding to all of those emails. I do respond to all of them, by the way, so if you've sent me an email and have not gotten a response, it is because uh, the email, uh, the, well, the return email address turned out to be bad for one reason or another, so my reply to you was uh, rejected and promptly returned undelivered. So if you think that that happened to you, Please go ahead, send me another email, and in that email, go ahead and uh, include an explanation of why your government insists on killing all those defenseless seals. I don't know what's up with that. That's, uh, that's the question I asked you in my reply that got rejected. Yeah, I'm talking to you, Carrie, so get back to me on that. It's uh, something I'm waiting on. So to the rest of you whose governments only sanction the killing of less cute animals, have a good day. I'll talk to you soon.